If Gary Gensler had voted against the spot Bitcoin ETFs, they would have been rejected. So why didn't he? Good morning. You're listening to the Rise in Crypto podcast by Cointelegraph with me, Robert Bags, steering you through the crypto cosmos with daily dispatches from the digital frontier. If you want to stay ahead of the curve in crypto, you better make sure you click that follow button. Okay, grab yourself a coffee and let's get into it. So the spot Bitcoin ETFs are up and trading, or at least 10 of them are. So today we're going to look at how they did on their first day of trading, why Gary Gensler didn't stop the spot Bitcoin ETFs when he had the chance, why Vanguard is blocking the purchase of spot Bitcoin ETFs from its customers, and the latest filing by the SEC against Ripple, which wants them to produce their financial statements. On the big day of the spot Bitcoin ETF approvals by the SEC, a friend and I were discussing the decision when I spotted a detail that I thought I must be misunderstanding. It's one I alluded to yesterday as it goes. When it comes to the spot Bitcoin ETF approvals, the SEC held a vote. The vote came down to five people and three were in favour of approving and two were in favour of rejecting, so it was a close call. The two who voted to reject the applications were Caroline Crenshaw and Jamie Lizarraga. Can you see my confusion? Well, in case you can't, Commissioners Hester Pierce and Mark Ueda voted in favour of approval. And if I'm being a touch dramatic, and why not, the casting vote fell to the chair, Gary Gensler, enemy of the state to crypto, and he voted to approve. But why? We all know that Gensler opposes crypto vehemently, and as I read out in yesterday's episode, Gensler's official statement after the announcement of the spot Bitcoin ETF approvals was brutal. It started by saying, while we approved the listing and trading of certain spot Bitcoin ETP shares today, we did not approve or endorse Bitcoin, and then went on to state that Bitcoin has no underlying value and it's used by criminals and terrorists. And yet he could have shot this ETF down for the umpteenth time in a decade, and he didn't. He voted to approve, possibly the deciding vote too. So there are a lot of theories here and I want to hear yours too. So make sure you tweet us on at Cointelegraph and at RKBags. Turner Wright covered a few theories in the article linked in the description. One was that Gensler simply voted with Wall Street as the spot Bitcoin ETFs will certainly bring in more money. Another speculated that the SEC didn't really have much of a choice after losing the Grayscale legal case. In August, Grayscale won their appeal and the SEC was said to have been arbitrary and capricious in the rejection of the ETF application. So to reject it again, alongside 10 others, would have required better reasons for rejection. Much better. I do think it's more likely that it is the second theory. Gensler wasn't convinced that another rejection would hold up in court, so his hand was forced to tick the approve box. Then, by issuing an aggressive statement, he makes it clear that his position is still anti-crypto and that his vote was not a free one. Also, if I were feeling very cynical, I'd say that in 5-10 to years time, if the general consensus is overwhelmingly positive towards Bitcoin and crypto, he can claim he voted it in. I say that tongue in cheek, but there is a chance that in 10 years time, Gensler's remembered as the guy who voted the spot Bitcoin ETFs in. As the Blockchain Association CEO, Kristin Smith, told Cointelegraph, it would have been simpler, quicker, and much less painful had Chair Gensler approved an ETF years ago, rather than being essentially compelled to do so by a court order. Nevertheless, we got the positive outcome that most of us wanted, and the vote will likely be forgotten before the week's end. Okay, let's stay with the SEC for a minute. I hope the SEC isn't going to be a main character in crypto again this year, but with the spot Ether ETF on the horizon, it does feel kind of likely. Well, that and the many legal cases they have open against crypto organisations. One such organisation is Ripple, and this has been going on for some time. In fact, it was three years in December since the SEC first filed its lawsuit against Ripple, the CEO Brad Garlinghouse, and Executive Chair Chris Larson. The lawsuit was for allegedly using unregistered securities to raise funds. 
funds. You might remember a previous episode of Rise and Crypto where I covered that the commission filed notice to drop the case against Garlinghouse and Larson. Garlinghouse immediately tweeted Ripple 3 SEC 0 and Ripple's chief legal officer tweeted this is not a settlement, this is a surrender by the SEC. So perhaps the SEC has a bit of an axe to grind. Well, although the case against Garlinghouse and Larson was surrendered, the SEC is still pursuing Ripple with mixed results. Yesterday, the SEC filed with the US District Court for the Southern District of New York, requesting that Judge Sarah Netburn issue an order to Ripple to produce financial statements from 2022 to 2023 and post-complaint contracts governing institutional sales. So let me explain what's happening here. In July last year, the judge ruled that Ripple's token, XRP, only qualified as a security when sold to institutional investors. So it looks as if the SEC is playing the hand they were dealt and looking to maximise the penalties for institutional sales, which violated Section 5 of the Securities Act of 1933. Ripple filed a motion the same day, the 11th of January, requesting a two-day extension to respond to the SEC's motion to compel. This moves the deadline from the 17th of January to the 19th of January. It seems the SEC is pushing the only pain point they can get to with Ripple, and it will be very interesting to see how this one plays out. Right, so there's a big question most will want an answer to if they've been following the advent of the spot Bitcoin ETFs in the United States. How did that first day of trading go? The vast spectrum of predictions, ranging from extremely disappointing to world-changing, indicated that nobody really knew what to expect. We now have some of the numbers, but it's still not perfectly clear. The headline is that the spot Bitcoin ETFs topped $4.5 billion in total trading volume on the first day, but there are many caveats here. Firstly, only 10 of the ETFs started trading, one didn't. If you're a regular listener, you can probably guess who. It's Hashdex. Hashdex is unique in the ETF application process insofar as they are converting their already trading Bitcoin futures ETF. So their process is a little different and Tom Mitchell Hill wrote the following in his article. Hashdex's spot Bitcoin ETF did not start trading on January the 11th. While the United States Securities and Exchange Commission approved Hashdex's 19B4 filing, which would allow its spot ETF product to be listed on US stock exchanges, the SEC did not make its form S1 effective, meaning that Hashdex's DeFi fund, DeFi is the ticker, is still only trading as a futures-based ETF. The company also issued a corrected statement noting the fund did not yet hold any spot Bitcoin in its portfolio. To get to the next caveat, we need to look at how the trading volumes break down in terms of inflows and outflows. That is, there wasn't $4.5 billion of new money going into these ETFs. In terms of volume, Grayscale was first with its conversion of the Grayscale Bitcoin Trust, racking up $2.2 billion in total volume. BlackRock was second with $1 billion of volume, 22% of all of the 10 ETFs combined, and third was Fidelity with $685 million in the first day. The sizable caveat here is that Grayscale's volume could be largely selling as opposed to buying, according to ETF analysts such as Eric Balkanas of Bloomberg. Grayscale's fee is miles higher than any other ETF, and particularly BlackRock's and Fidelity's. As a reminder, BlackRock's is 0.2% for the first $5 billion or 12 months, and then it's 0.3%. Fidelity is 0% until the 31st of July and then 0.25%. Grayscale's is 1.5% and has no waiver. So Balkanas and his colleague James Safar both suggested that investors might be rotating out of GBTC and into a lower fee product. So although we have the sexy numbers, the guts of the matter is still largely unknown. And as Balkanas went on to say, we won't know the impact of the ETFs on Bitcoin until we have a better sense of the spot inflows.
Finally, let's look at one of the biggest stories yesterday. Vanguard is the second biggest asset manager by assets under management, wedged between BlackRock in first and Fidelity in third. Although BlackRock and Fidelity were at the forefront of the spot Bitcoin ETFs, Vanguard wasn't and they doubled down on it yesterday when they blocked customers from buying spot Bitcoin ETFs on their platform. In a statement to the Wall Street Journal, a spokesperson said spot Bitcoin ETFs will not be available for purchase on the Vanguard platform. We also have no plans to offer Vanguard Bitcoin ETFs or other crypto related products. Our perspective is these products do not align with our offer focused on asset classes such as equities, bonds and cash, which Vanguard views as the building blocks of a well-balanced long-term investment portfolio. An ex-user, Tony Spencer, claims to be a Vanguard customer and that he spoke to a spokesperson at Vanguard who said that Vanguard isn't allowing spot Bitcoin ETFs for purchase because the product doesn't fit with Vanguard's investment philosophy. Tony Spencer was just one of a groundswell of unhappy customers, including Coinbase's senior engineering manager, Yuga Kola, who took to X to say they had moved their Roth 401k from Vanguard to Fidelity, and they were far from alone in doing that. Bitcoin Archive on X did an image compilation of tweets of people doing the exact same thing. But Vanguard wasn't the only person to be blocking these purchases. The Wall Street Journal also reported that customers of Citi, Merrill Lynch, Edward Jones, and UBS were unable to purchase spot Bitcoin ETFs. Though as Braden Lindrea wrote in the article linked in the description below, UBS is considering unsolicited offers from prospective spot Bitcoin ETF investors and is making assessments on a case-by-case basis, a source close to the firm told Cointelegraph. The ETF can only be offered in a brokerage account and is only suitable for aggressive investors, they added. Meanwhile, it's not a cut and dry situation with Citi or Merrill Lynch either, as they seem to be evaluating the situation rather than opposing the ETFs. Unsurprisingly, or surprisingly, depending on how you look at it, JP Morgan's brokerage platform allowed spot Bitcoin ETF trading. The surprising perspective is that JP Morgan's CEO, Jamie Dimon, slammed crypto to the Senate. The unsurprising angle is that JP Morgan is an authorized participant in BlackRock's iShares Bitcoin Trust ETF. Okay, I know we're still pretty heavy on ETF stories, but there's just so much happening that you need to know about. But that is it for today and this week. And I swear this week must have had more than five days. On Wednesday alone, I felt like I was aging in dog years. So I'm sure crypto is going to give us a nice quiet weekend, right? I'll see you bright and early Monday. Consider yourself informed. Thank you for listening to the Rise in Crypto podcast by Cointelegraph. If you're enjoying these daily updates, please make sure you let us know by following, subscribing or leaving a review. Have a great weekend. Let's do this again Monday. Thank you.